0: Hello and welcome to Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host Gregory Robinson,
1: and I am Vicky Telios. And today we are here with a student who is in his second year of farm uh, physiology.
2: Yep, pharmacology and physiology. Uh,
1: yeah. Phys farm. Phys farm. <laughs> and um, this is Matt Novello. Welcome.
0: Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you. Like I've <laughs> I've known you for uh, what almost 2 years now, maybe even longer. Even even longer that's Yeah, even a Longer, yeah. So fun fact, Matt is a lab mate of mine. He recently has finished his second year. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun you're co-supervised though. So you're not usually in my lab, Yes. which is with Dr. Ching Ching-Ping Fang. Yep. Um but your your main supervisor is Dr. Peter Sothopoulos. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And you guys do a little bit different things than uh, what what I do in my lab, but uh, do you want to start us off and tell us a little bit about your research? What what specifically mm. is it about in general?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So like Greg said, uh, I am co-supervised by Dr. Feng and Dr. Peter Sathopoulos. So I kind of have a, a little bit of um, two disciplines. So first, I, I'm a, I would say I'm a structural biologist by trade. So what structural biologists do is, we study biological macromolecules such as proteins, DNA, RNA, uh, carbohydrates. And what we do is we look at um, alterations to the structure and how that affects the function. And from that, we can kind of um, elucidate how that affects disease states, which comes into my second kind of area, which is cardiofarm, which we're um, co-supervised by Dr. Dr. Feng and where me, me and Greg are actually lab mates as well.
0: Yeah. Cool. So I just want to break that down for a second. So you're looking at you're changing structures mm-hmm. of, of various proteins or yes. of one protein in particular mm-hmm. and you're seeing how that changes function yep. so that you could then in a disease state where it had maybe this different um, different structure it, like what in a disease state like it would have this mm-hmm. different structure and that's why you would change it is What What exactly do you, do you mean by that? Yeah, no, that's a good point. So
2: um, mul- so many times, many diseases have different mutations, okay. right? And then these mutations can significantly alter the function. And when you alter the structure, that gives rise to functional problems. So these proteins have different functional consequences. So understanding the structure and the structural alterations due to these mu- mutations and specific diseases can kind of give us a better sense of what functional outcome that has, just to kind of um, see that role in, dis- in the disease state.
0: Gotcha. So yeah. what? So you have a protein then?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I actually work with uh, a group of proteins called stromal inter- interaction molecules, specifically STIM two. It's a it's a the paralog of the STIM mm-hmm, one.
0: Stromal is, interaction yeah. mm-hmm. molecule two. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's a mouthful,
2: but you got that down, Pat, pretty well. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. heard it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple yeah. times. Yeah.
1: A little bit familiar with it. Yeah. I also work with STIM as well, but STIM one, the mm-hmm. I guess isoform.
2: Yeah. yeah, Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: So. so how did you get into this to begin with? So mm-hmm. what made you want to pursue this sort of path of looking at um, changes in protein formation and that sort of thing?
2: Mm-hmm. That's another good question. So I've always been very interested in a lot of biochemical processes and specifically proteins mm-hmm. in general as well. Like structural biology, we look at lots of different things, as I mentioned before, but specifically what interests me is protein structure and, and how the structure mm-hmm. affects a function. Um, and I actually uh, interviewed with both Dr. Fang and Peter Stathopoulos going forward and uh, these supervisors were both great. And uh, going forward, uh, the project really interested me as well. So, and there's been a lot of work done on STEM 1. Right. Actually, I think (laughs) you've uh, pretty much laid on a lot of the groundwork for my project as well. Not me specifically,
1: but a lot, A a lot of students as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So that's the other thing about this project as well, Mm -hmm. too. It was really interesting. There have been a lot of students who've put a lot of work into it as well. And uh, I just want to kind of build upon Mm -hmm. that. And that's kind of what led me to get into that uh, project.
1: So you said you're looking at the functional aspects of Stim2, that's the Mm -hmm. protein that that you're researching. So what exactly does Stim2 do within the cell Mm -hmm. or within uh, cardiac cells, which is I think that's the functional aspect that you were uh, looking at?
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, so there's two stem proteins. as you, I, I probably know you work with mm-hmm. stem one. So the interesting thing about stem two is it's more involved in basal calcium homostasis as opposed to the store-operated calcium entry. Right. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, what stem two is, it just kind of um, it's involved more, intric- more intricately involved in the regulation of. Just basal levels of calcium, and mm-hmm. sometimes in a disease state, um, basal calcium levels can actually increase, and that's it's that sustained increase yeah. in calcium levels, which, which can ensue right. a lot of diseases, and not uh, not mm-hmm. just uh, a lot of cardio diseases, but also a lot of neurodegenerative neurodegenerative diseases, mm-hmm. such as Alzheimer's, for, for yeah. example.
1: Right. So in general, why is why is calcium mm-hmm. so bad to the cell? Because mm-hmm. I I look at this as well, and you know everyone talks about mm-hmm. how elevated. Calcium levels can lead to detrimental things, cell death, that sort of thing. And it is important to look at, but mm-hmm. why do you think it's so detrimental to, um, to function to have such high calcium within within cells?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So fun fact, calcium mm-hmm. is really super tightly regulated. I think the basal concentration, of course, it varies by cells, but it's around 100 nanomolars. But anything above that, uh, you can start activating inappropriately different signaling pathways, different mm. signaling cascades. Um, for example, even when the mitochondria, um, it, for an apoptotic response, it'll actually release calcium as well. Mm-hmm. So these high levels of calciums can cause widespread detrimental effects right. just to, on the cellular level, which can kind of be in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. the, of the uh, whole systemic level as well. Um, yeah. So, I think like
0: one of those, for example, in the heart is calcineurin, yes. and this one leads to the hypertrophic effect on the heart. So, like when your heart is like a bunch of blood's being pushed into it and it's there, there's more calcium and it's like really pushing hard to mm-hmm. get through maybe like a, a very tough aortic valve. You're gonna have a lot of calcium in there to to really push. And like eventually it will get to the point that there's gonna be so much calcium it activates this pathway and it yeah. then undergoes hy- hypertrophy of the heart. Yes. And eventually so, yeah. this becomes pathological and can have a problem, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's just like one example of, of how calcium why why it's so important in mm-hmm. the heart, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, and specifically, even just bridging off that path, I think it's the specifically the the calcium N fat pathway, like you were exactly yeah. mentioning too. So Through N fat, yeah. Exactly. Through N fat, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of detrimental effects, just uh, and even at the specific cell level as well just different cell types can have a wide range of uh, detrimental mm-hmm. effects so it's really important to kind of tightly regulate these cal- mm-hmm. these cellular calcium levels and one of the proteins which help uh manage that is, is stem 2 and as well right. as stem 1.
1: yes mm-hmm. and so you've done two years of this two yeah. and a bit and so what sort of methods do you employ to discover how Stem2 can regulate, tightly regulate this, uh, this calcium response within, mm. I'm assuming, cardiac cells? Mm. Yeah, so, mm. so what kind of methods do you use mm. um, in
2: that sense? So my lab, so I have the benefit of uh, being co-supervised. So um, yeah. in this Ethopolis laboratory, I use a wide range of spectroscopy techniques. Mm-hmm. So some of the techniques we use are uh, far CD. We use a lot of intrinsic fluorescence as well, just for okay. more of the biophysical aspects right. and characteristics. We also do a lot of solution NMR to figure mm-hmm. out the structural consequences right. on the protein. And then finally, uh, we also do a lot of uh, functional stuff, which is more so in the, in the FENG mm-hmm. lab, such as using FUR2, which is a calcium-sensitive mm-hmm. uh, dye, specifically in the intracellular calcium. Right. So the levels. people
0: listening are probably going to have a few it questions about a lot every of one of those things <laughs> that you just yes, said. Yes, yeah. A lot but of acronyms. So, um, <laughs> so you, did, you do spectroscopy? Yep. And there was two ones that you mentioned in there? I mm-hmm. U uh, you something, something, and something, something, something. NMR, yeah. <laughs> which is... There was NMR somewhere. in there somewhere, yeah. 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 Like, even I remember I that lost. from,
1: I think, uh, first-year
0: chem. <laughs> yeah. So what is spectroscopy? That's a good yeah. start right there. Mm-hmm.
2: So in the simplest terms, you are shooting wavelength at specific uh, nanometers to excite um, different residues within the protein and then Mm -hmm. it can give off emission it can emit another wavelength which can be detected so you're basically shooting a laser at a protein and it's reading out a specific uh emitted wavelength and Mm -hmm. from that you can gather a bunch of information and make different justifications on the protein structure on the on the secondary structure elements Mm -hmm. um certain things like that as well
0: so like every protein has sort of like a, a signature that you're kind of reading through using spectroscopy, something like that?
2: Yeah, so you bring up a great point there too. So for for many of the listeners who don't know, so CD, or Circular dichrosin Spectroscopy, um, gives a lot of information on the secondary structural elements. And they're actually signature um, kind of spectrums that are produced at a certain, uh, reading it from certain wavelengths. So if you can, so these certain wavelengths are indicative of different uh, structural elements such as an alpha helix, helix or a beta pleated sheet, or if it's unstructured, maybe even just a, a random coil.
0: Yeah, and it looks really cool. So you can go check out his papers and see his figures and yes, you'll yeah. be blown away. It's <laughs> not like most things you look at, unless you're in structure biology and then you see it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's probably normal for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's cool, and mm-hmm. I guess the second aspect that you looked at too, the functional aspect, was the calcium imaging. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that works. I, mm-hmm. I work with it a little bit as well, but mm-hmm. let's get a general overview of what that is.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I work with uh, a, a dye, a calcium-sensitive dye, called Fura 2-AM. So basically what this does is it, it'll bind to free intracellular calcium within the cell, mm-hmm. and from that we can measure different fluctuations of those intracellular calcium levels due to different stimuli on those cells. For example, one of the different stimuli that we use is uh, called thapsigargin, or abbreviated to mm-hmm. TG, and what that does is it just, it'll bind to the ER, uh, the ER circuit pumps, and it'll prevent the calcium from
0: uh, blocking it. So. There's some fun things in there. Thapsigargin. Yeah. Thapsigargin, yes. <laughs> yeah. ER circuit pumps. Circuit yes. Pump. yes.
1: <laughs> so I think I'm a little bit familiar with that too. So that's mm-hmm. more so, I guess, the calcium regulation within the cells. Within so cells, yeah, yeah. so the, the ER in general is a calcium storage vessel. Yep, exactly. To my knowledge. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so I guess thapsigargin in that sense would allow calcium to leave and block it from being uptaken
2: perfectly said a lot better than than I did there (laughs) Um,
1: so in that sense um, what kind of I guess you put these cells through some vigorous treatments Mm -hmm, and you sort of see what happens to these cells um, with stem to alterations is Mm -hmm. is that what I'm gathering
2: yeah absolutely
1: Um, so what sort of treatments do you add to your cells
2: Um, So we specifically, and my project specifically, looked at uh, something called S-nitrosylation. So S-nitrosylation is basically just uh, a covalent attachment of Mm -hmm. a nitroxide moiety to uh, cysteine sulfhydryl, and that can incur... Uh, in different states, one of the most common mm-hmm. during oxidative stress, specifically right. nitrosative of stress. Okay. So we look at S-nitrosylation and how that affects mm-hmm. um, STIM2 in regulating these intracellular calcium levels okay. as well.
0: So let's break that down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that That's was a mouthful for, right there too. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at your protein STIM2. It has a mm-hmm. cysteine, or it has many cysteine mm-hmm. residues, which is an amino acid cysteine, mm-hmm. where that there's a certain spot where it can bind to uh, nitric oxide, and mm-hmm. that's called S-nitrosylation. Mm-hmm. And nitric oxide is one nitrogen bound to one oxygen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to my knowledge, nitric oxide is very important within the heart, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and just yeah. in circulatory systems in general, right? Yeah. And oh, heart yeah. development and yeah. everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Greg probably yeah. knows a lot about <laughs> heart development as well, too. So in Dr. Feng's lab, uh, this was a pretty big discovery, specifically in heart development, that nitric mm-hmm. oxide plays a very large role, an important role, that if you knock it out, it... Is very very bad. It's lethal. It mm. uh, pr- essentially, without nitric oxide, you have like ventricular septal defects. You have um, you, your valves don't properly mm-hmm. form. There's there's many different things that occur when you don't have nitric oxide. So, but it, it really yeah. promotes essentially the development of the heart, which yeah. is. Really important because everybody has a heart and needs a heart. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's beyond the sort of basic effects of nitric oxide, which to my knowledge is vasodilation. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, and that's another yeah. one. And so vasolation. that's, yeah, that's the, so I guess the here. canonical one that you often think yeah. of when you think of nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting because that moves forward to say that it's more than just a vasodilator. It can actually affect the development of the heart. So that's yeah. that's pretty groundbreaking. And this is, yeah. this is found in oh,
0: small sure. amounts of nitric oxide, specifically. Mm-hmm. Relatively small, yeah. I, I should mm-hmm. say relative in there. But mm-hmm. there is sometimes you can have relatively large amounts mm-hmm. of nitric oxide. Yes. And I think that's where Matt his research more is, is applicable in that mm-hmm. when you have a lot of nitric oxide, and that and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're adding, you're essentially making, producing a lot of nitric oxide, okay. and um, that, sort of, is in that a, in where, a way. Yeah, like, is
1: that where your oxidative stress paradigm comes into play? Yes, okay. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So what
0: we've basically found is that
2: oxidative stress can actually inhibit the Stem2's function, increasing mm. these basal calcium levels. So it'll actually ah. decrease the intracellular calcium levels indirectly mm. through the Stem2 protein.
1: So oxidative stress in the form of increased nitric oxide. Yeah. Is that how? Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's interesting. So yeah. is that because of the S-nitrosylation of the
2: protein? Specifically, yeah. So that's okay. that's the cool part about my project. So mm-hmm. the first, the very beginning part of my project is we just specifically isolated stim-2 right. and then just uh, incubated it with a lot of nitric oxide donors to mm-hmm. see if it, it'll affect just the protein. And what we found is it does specifically mm-hmm. affect just the protein. And right. then going forward, we, would, we took that into a cellular context so with lots of proteins. And again, we observed the same kind of mm-hmm. uh, effects in line with what we previously saw. So it's a good oh. question. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So with all of this put together, um, I'm trying to think of a sort of clinical correlate to this. So yeah. are there instances where there would be too much nitric oxide mm-hmm. within... I'm assuming you did this in in mice. Is it mouse um, models so that's
2: or? actually one of the uh, projects that we're looking for going mm-hmm. forward to now. Looking okay. at uh, actually mouse models, like animal models as okay. well. so we've right. just done it in cells, but that's okay. hopefully that's those are the yeah. next steps. So yeah. that's
1: yeah. So you're, this is the first step. You found mm-hmm. this paradigm occurring within stem two. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you? correlate this to what might be happening within a human? Mm -hmm. That's a huge question. I know it's loaded, but... (laughs) No, 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 for sure. That's a
2: huge question, but a good Mm -hmm. question as well. Mm -hmm. So just going back to the fact what uh, Greg was talking about before, specifically that calcineurin and fat pathway and how cardiomyocytes can actually undergo something called concentric uh, cardiac hypertrophy, where this, where hearts these cardiomyocytes literally enlarge due to too much calcium mm-hmm. inside. So what we've found is using these nitric oxide donors can actually mm-hmm. prevent that cal- that calcium overload right. in intracellularly, and which might actually prevent this downstream signaling pathways to kind right. uh,
0: can prevent this this disease. Okay. So Excessive nitric oxide. I was gonna say,
1: but not too much. But not o- too much. Yeah. But not yeah. too yeah. Much, The yeah. right yeah. amount. That's the right
0: amount. Okay. Will bind to. Yeah. Will S-nitrosylate, your protein stim too, mm-hmm. and that will prevent the... Oh, I lost it here. I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. It'll pre- it'll indirectly
2: um, reduce the levels of intracellular calcium, Thank you. such yeah. that it won't be able... It, that the calcium won't be high enough to activate those downstream mm-hmm. signaling pathways. Yeah. So really hitting it right from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it doesn't that. inhibit calcium entry. It just... It inhibits... Slightly. Yeah. Like, it's not like completely stopping all calcium from getting in. It. Yeah. It's just, no. it's slightly changing could, the concentration yeah. exactly yeah that it'll would, inhibit stim 2 which yeah. will indirectly like you're probably yeah, yeah. exactly
1: yeah and so yeah because you don't want to deplete calcium fully because that again i would yeah. think is a whole problem in itself right yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of
2: different levels to kind of regulate that's the thing right?
1: and because i work with nitric oxide as well it's very interesting because mm. i always get a lot of comments of saying okay so you found this within an animal model how do you propose to use this as a human treatment mm-hmm. and what i usually say is that it's very difficult you almost can't because how do you regulate a gaseous molecule like nitric oxide right it diffuses uh, yep. you can't find the right concentration there's so many problems with it but it plays such a vital role right so mm-hmm.
2: absolutely it's, it's very yeah. it's yeah it's <laughs> difficult and i think there's they're making progress on it but mm-hmm. as of now like you mentioned it's it's really yeah. really difficult
1: the only th- thing that i'm thinking of is um in i guess with people with um cardiac problems, Mm -hmm. angina, that sort of thing, they often prescribe nitroglycerin, which -hmm. is essentially nitric oxide. Um, But that's really the only case of using nitric oxide as a clinical therapeutic that I've heard of. I've got one. Do you? Which one? Oh, yeah. So
0: it's not specifically using nitric oxide, but it's using nitric oxide's pathway, Ah, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And that is Viagra. Yes, that's true. That yes. is one oh, yeah. I almost forgot about. That so yeah. I, yeah. I I <laughs> trying to remember back to my uh, my undergrad days, but yeah. I think it's a Secondary. phosphodiesterase <laughs> five inhibitors. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. that is part of the nitric yeah. oxide um, soluble guanocyclase yeah. pathway. Yes, yeah, and so to preventing mine, yeah. it, yeah, preventing it to, like um, mm-hmm. it, it inhibits this enzyme and that prevents right it, it allows blood flow. I should say to exactly go, and to so go everywhere. from yeah. what i where know. where you want I, it to go.
1: Yeah. From what I know, I think Viagra started off as a heart medication. I
0: think so too, yeah. And it just yes, ended up not that, yeah. going
1: down yeah. that route yeah. and mm-hmm. seemed to be more beneficial. They had better yeah. Yeah. Still very successful. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, still made money from it. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. interesting. So mm-hmm. that's I always find that's the problem with mm-hmm. um, looking at that sort of research and those are often the questions that I get. Yes, I've um, had those yeah. quite a bit as well. <laughs> um, so I guess now you're nearing towards the end of your, your master's. Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready for your defense?
2: Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: That's it. Okay, we won't go. Into that. No. I don't want to, you know, talk into that too much. I'm sure you're ready. Um <laughs> have you thought about what you're planning to do later
2: on? Mm, that is an excellent question. I know it's and a touching question, uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, no. So, as of now, um hopefully I'd, I'd like to get into to industry. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. Just on the job mm-hmm. search once uh, everything's all yeah. done and Kind of wrapped up a lot of my projects mm-hmm. as well. Um, nice. I'd like, ideally, I'd like to get into a pharmaceutical company.
1: I was gonna say it's fitting that we're talking about, you know, pharmaceuticals <laughs> and clinical uh, correlates because yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: It's nice. It's a cushy job (laughs) compared to academia.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you still have you still have one paper that you're you're finishing up right now, and so I think Yes, exactly. Still takes some time. Takes some time Mm -hmm. to get all your research finished. But you you have a lot and this is I think your third paper now? That you're doing in your masters. Yeah, first author paper. Yeah. So that's that's pretty big. It's
1: fairly productive for a master's yeah, yeah. yeah. So, go take us through the three papers. Then. How did you frame mm-hmm. this story that you described to us a little bit earlier within those three publications?
2: Um, so the first publication was just so there is actually a wide breadth of the papers. So mm-hmm. the one only one recently was just my. Um, Mm -hmm. my experimental data that we included for um, like a primary author Mm -hmm. uh, or for a primary manuscript. The other two were more of a review. So one of them was actually a systematic review article and Mm -hmm. one was actually a commentary as well. So only one um, just one like primary review article or primary article with experimental Mm -hmm. data and stuff like that.
1: Okay. And so the other reviews... um, I'm more interested mm-hmm. in the reviews, right? Because mm-hmm. you're taking a whole body of knowledge and you're sort of making it more concise and yep. taking out the main facts. So, um, what did you focus those reviews on?
2: Yeah. So, um, so my supervisor actually was invited to, mm-hmm. to do a review article, okay. and we actually did it together. So we just so my mm-hmm. first review article we focused on STEM, okay. the strong interaction molecules, both STEM one and two, right. and we looked at specifically the structure and the function. Okay. And uh, we did a little a section on post-translational modifications as well, mm-hmm. as a lot of different post-translational modifications such as phosphorylation, Mm -hmm. uh, S-glutathionylation, and Mm S-nitrosylation as well uh, have affected it. So we just kind of touched upon that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, going into the post-translational modifications, Mm -hmm. how do you think that, do they all affect the protein in the same way? So Mm -hmm. for example, when you add um, S-nitrosylation or glutathione. do they have a similar effect on the molecule or does each modification pose a different functional mm-hmm. um Change? Yeah,
2: no, excellent mm-hmm. question. And I'm happy to report that different post translation modifications have differing effects oh. on the calcium <laughs> um, right. levels of the molecules. Well. Makes it
1: a little bit more, I guess, challenging to review all of them. But yes, it's yeah. very
2: challenging. Some of them have mm-hmm. similar effects, but then again, some of them have different mm-hmm. effects. So, STIM1 has actually been extensively explored, mm-hmm. just looking at different uh, post translation modifications. But right. STIM2, which has that different function of mm-hmm. looking at the basal calcium levels, right. and kind of calcium homeostasis, mm-hmm. it's Actually, never been uh, been studied in terms
0: of post-translational okay. modifications.
2: So that's what kind of I started looking at.
0: And I think one thing that's pretty interesting that I know just from being in, we're in the lab together, but mm-hmm. even within the same post, the same type of post-translational modification on one protein, mm-hmm. it can be it has different effects depending on where it is on yeah. that protein. And that's that's a pretty big thing. But you you essentially uh, s nitrosylate certain pro, certain um, Amino Yeah. Based upon, you can actually change the structure of that protein. So you could change like, mm. uh, you could leave it a cysteine or you could change it to, I'm forgetting what the other amino acid was. The G1 was. Or, or? You change mm-hmm. the cysteine to? Oh, you can change it to a uh, serine. A serine. So basically just
2: changing uh, a sulfhydryl
0: atom to an oxygen atom. Yeah. And so by changing it, uh, these two amino acids, it's really just mm-hmm. that one or a couple of different atoms in mm-hmm. there and that will prevent S-nitrosylation from occurring. Yes. And so yeah. you can see, like, what does this specific amino acid S-nitrosylation do mm-hmm. relative to Another a different one? one. And oh, they have yeah. very different effects sometimes, and sometimes they could yep. have opposing effects. Yeah, so,
2: exactly. Yeah? yeah, no, you bring you also bring up a great point, too. For example, like, um, S-nitrosylating a uh, cysteine residue in the... Um, the N-terminal region mm-hmm. of a protein versus the C-terminal. A cysteine residue located in the C-terminal region may mm-hmm. have different effects, functional effects, uh, including structural effects on the, mo- on the actual protein itself. So it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And then we can also, so we actually employed that mutational strategy, change, changing that cysteine of one residue to a serine, just to see mm-hmm. that individual effect as well. So just another uh, strategy to assess uh, a specific amino acid.
1: I'm going to bring this a little bit broader because I just mm-hmm. thought of this question. But mm-hmm. is STEM two expressed in
2: all cells? Um, yes, to my to the best of my knowledge, I'm pretty sure it's expressed in almost mm-hmm. all all cells as well. Right. Um, it's more expressed predominantly in in certain cells, specifically okay. um, in the brain. A lot of mm-hmm. uh, neural and uh, mm-hmm. or neurons express uh, high levels, relatively yeah. higher levels of STEM two. Is that true, Vicky?
1: I'm thinking, <laughs> and the one place mm-hmm. that I know there's a lot of STEM two is the retina.
2: In the retina? Oh, well. yeah.
1: okay. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to Stim1, because I uh, did mm-hmm. a little bit of side projecting within, mm-hmm. <laughs> within the retina. And because I do look at Stim1, I yeah. was curious to see whether the same sort of pathways within those um, retinal cells as well. And mm-hmm. it's mostly Stim2 oriented rather than Stim1. So... Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So I believe it, that it's in the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is in the brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are some neurons that use stim 1 more than stim 2. Mm-hmm. But again, I guess it depends on the pathway. Huh. I can't unlock all the secrets yeah. of the cells <laughs> within these 30 minutes. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. Try though. our best. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then I wouldn't have a project. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so. it's a pretty important protein found mm-hmm. pretty yes. much everywhere yeah. as far as we, we yeah. know. Yeah.
2: And even to make more things complicated, there's specific isoforms of stems, of stim 1, of stim 2. For example, oh. in stim 2, there's uh, an isoform which retains a certain exon that has an additional eight amino acids. Mm-hmm. And what this does, it actually has the opposite function of stim 2. So it functions mm. as a dominant negative feedback regulator of, are those, s- of stim. Are,
1: yeah. are those common within... The different types of cells?
2: That is uh, a good question. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure different mm-hmm. cells have different expression patterns of even these different isoforms. I, I would believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that so sense. that would just yeah. Yeah. make even things <laughs> yeah. more complicated oh gosh, to kind yeah. of tease out on uh, mm-hmm. the specific, specific effects on yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a specific cell. So, so for
0: those that, uh, those listeners that don't have a good genetics background, mm-hmm. essentially what Matt was saying there was that they... We have DNA, and DNA is turned into RNA, which is then turned into protein. And the way that DNA is turned into RNA, which is turned into protein, can be different. And so you can have things called an exon, which are parts that actually make it into the protein when translated into a protein, into an amino acid. And then you're, you're saying that there's one isoform, so a dif- so something very similar but slightly different to mm-hmm. your stim-2, um, under that stim-2 umbrella of protein, essentially. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you can have eight more... Amino acids in. Yep. And that will change, make it the exact opposite function. Yeah, it'll
2: dramatically <laughs> alter the function of the protein. Yeah. So it's around, se- it's just over 700 amino acids. And though that incorporation of those eight amino acids can drastically alter the function. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to end it off with one last question. And mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, where do you see this project going in the next step? So mm-hmm. you're obviously going to leave it here because you're yes. finishing up soon. Um, mm-hmm. So where do you see this going in future studies? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so hopefully, um, actually, you guys brought up a great point as well. So I've just done cell work, but mm-hmm. hopefully it uh, the cell works look pretty promising. Mm-hmm. So hopefully another student can kind of take over and do some animal work and oh. just kind of continue on this project and see the physiological effects, specifically okay. in a cardiovascular setting. So that would be... Yeah the ultimate goal. I know yeah. Greg mm-hmm. is still in uh, the lab as yeah. well, so I'm maybe a potential side project. Yeah, maybe we'll Greg get,
0: get somebody new coming in as well. <laughs> That's eventually. another yeah. option too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to learn more about your research, is there a lab website they can go to or an email they can reach you at or maybe even social media that they can talk to you?
2: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter, just at Matt uh, Novello as well. So I usually have uh, a lot of academic findings and stuff there, um, as well as both the Stathopolis and FANG uh, lab websites. A lot of information and my upcoming publication should be posted on there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so
0: much. Thank you guys for having me. It was was lots of fun. Thank you. This has been Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Gregory Robinson, and my co-host was...
1: Vicky Telios.
0: We've been speaking with Matt Novello, and this episode was produced by Gavin Tolometti. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on CHRW 94.9 on Tuesday and every other Thursday at 1.30 p.m. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts that have been uploaded to YouTube at gradcastradio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.